Happy Easter and welcome to another edition of Together for Salem. I'm Monica. This is Aaron. Welcome to our basement. I don't know if you noticed, but um, we have some Easter decor here. And about three weeks ago, I gave Aaron a haircut into a mohawk. And it's actually, it's getting, it's getting tall. You might need a trim. You, <laughs> you might, yeah. But hey, you know, it's... You're socially distancing. You're working from home. You can do whatever you want in these days. Nobody wants to get close to me with this haircut. No. Shout out to my lion peeps too at Leslie Middle School. Woo-hoo. Lion pride. Right. So this is episode four. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that, if you're keeping track of numbering them. And those of you who are Star Wars fans will know that episode four is where it all started. And so, yeah, this is where basically Christianity and following Jesus all started. So John's going to give us a heads up about that today. Oh, speaking of John, he's a huge Star Wars fan. Check this out. Welcome to Together for Salem, Episode 4. Shout out, John, to your wife, Liz, for putting up with your uh, epic lightsabering. That was pretty sweet. Um, So... Like Aaron said, this is Easter weekend. We're really excited to be celebrating Easter. All of us probably are celebrating Easter in new and different ways with, you know, some traditions we're able to do and some traditions we're having to tweak a little bit. So we'd love to hear from you on how you're celebrating Easter weekend or just springtime in this weather in general, if you're living in the Salem area, go ahead and comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you're not from Salem, we'd love to hear a shout out to whatever city you're for because we are for Salem, but you could be for whatever city or neighborhood you're hailing from, and we'd love to hear from you if you're from somewhere that's not Salem Kaiser. So, show notes are going to have a lot of information for you. You can comment on this video on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to get started. Yeah, and we're going to start with a ridiculous, silly Easter game. Yeah, that you definitely shouldn't do at home. No, there are safety issues with it. So do not try this at home. These are professionals. No, they aren't at all professionals. True. And they're leaders in our church. And they're... <laughs> so. That's why they had helpers. You'll see. Okay. Watch this. Welcome to our first annual Chubby Bunny Hippity Hoppity Happy Easter game. And Ken, you're up. So, you ready? Mm-hmm. Hippity Hoppity. Happy Easter. Ready? Four for Ken. Happy Easter. I don't know how can go past four. That was great. Hurry. Hoppity What's up? 
happy. <laughs> That's more than I can get out. I'm getting heartburn just thinking about it. Oh, look at Take Kev's out. 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 Okay, Nate and John. Nate and John. Oh, 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 oh. You can eat them. Oh, 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 but you know what? It's good to have fun, especially now. Even even in the darkest times, I think we need to be able to have fun and relax and maybe just have a sense of peace because honestly, right now, we are all longing for a bit of peace. We're all longing for a bit of peace right now. And we need laughter more than ever because we've lost so much. Some of us have lost income. Maybe you're realizing, your company's realizing it's time to downsize or it's time to cut back on, on payment. That's becoming real now. We've lost our normal, our routine. We're stuck at home maybe with kids trying to get our job done and trying to be good parents that aren't constantly frustrated. People who used to be friendly in the grocery stores now look like people that could kill you. We've lost our ability to have contact with the people we love. And maybe some of us have lost our health and maybe we've lost loved ones because of this. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And we also know that no amount of denial or positive thinking or funny memes is going to bring anything back. You're going to make any of this go away. And when we do come out of this, we won't be able to go back to how things were. There's going to be a new normal. There won't be this, you know, okay, now everything's over. Let's just go right back to how everything was. But the thing is, this is not the first time humanity has dealt with something like this. There's for thousands of years, there's been invasions that have ripped people from their normal. There's literally been plagues that have forced people to change what their society was like. There's been genocide and wars and social upheaval. And I think now we just have a taste of what our ancestors went through. We, we kind of know them better. We share this common, a little bit at least, of a common experience with the rest of humanity. And whether you're a Jesus follower or not, you now have something in common with Jesus's first followers. Like imagine the disciples, Jesus' closest followers in the days after Jesus was executed. Which, by the way, Jesus, historical fact. Most scholars, most reputable scholars believed there was a historical Jesus, that he was actually executed by the Romans on a cross. So let's try to try to put yourself there. In these guys' shoes that have been following Jesus for three years, that's been their life, is following Jesus. Everything they had was ripped away from them in just a few hours. Their, their friend, their teacher, their leader that they relied on was now dead. They actually, these guys, it's recorded, they, they hoped that Jesus was going to bring in this new political military kingdom and he was going to bring the Jewish kingdom back and basically rule the world in peace. And they, they expected that they were going to have positions of power in this new kingdom. They were going to be governors and rule different parts of the empire of Jesus. 
And that was ripped away. The wealth that would have come with that that they were hoping for to support their families for generations was gone. Not only that, now their lives were in danger. Their leader was killed. Why wouldn't the authorities that killed him now be hunting them? Their future that they had hoped for that was so bright just a week before was now bleak, dark, unknown. There's definitely no way to go back to how things used to be. Just think what they were feeling. Despair, fear, so much turmoil. They were literally in a crisis. But then everything changed. See, a few weeks later, they are literally leading thousands of people to create a new movement. A movement that honestly outlasted the two superpowers of their world, the Jewish temple and the Roman Empire. A movement that has since changed the world, that's inspired strangers to care for each other, that brought about the idea that all individuals have equal worth and value. It's a movement that's inspired the creation of hospitals and was actually an impetus for our modern scientific methods and our modern medicine. It's a movement that has brought an unstoppable, often inexplainable peace to people in the worst crises in human history. And it has nothing to do with some religious rituals or experiences or secret knowledge or even what these guys taught. It all, it's interestingly enough, might sound weird, but it all has to do with what Jesus said and did after he died. See, in the darkest times throughout all of human history, in the darkest times, there have always been Jesus followers who have had a strange but resilient peace. Resilient, meaning strong, tough, flexible. When something hits it, it bounces right back. If something tries to sink it, it's buoyant. It floats. It's able to rebound. A resilient peace, a peace that comes back, that stares the reality of fear in the face and says, even though this is scary, recognizes the scariness, even though there is something real to fear right now, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not overcome by it. See, what we all need right now, what we all want right now, is a resilient peace. A peace that can, that can stand up to this current crisis. So why did the first Jesus followers have that kind of peace? How have millions of Jesus followers since then experienced it? And interestingly enough, surprise, it all starts at the first Easter. See, Jesus was crucified, historical fact, like I said, crucified, buried. His disciples, he's dead. The Romans check to make sure he's dead. They bury him and his disciples, what do they do? His followers, they run away, right? They have no military power. They, they have no protection. They run, they hide. And then a few days later, some women, some of their friends tell them that Jesus's tomb is empty. Now, one of, the, one of the reasons why I believe that this story is true is that they record the women being the first eyewitnesses. In those days, women were not allowed to be witnesses. So if it was made up, they wouldn't have said women were the first ones to see him. But they just recorded what actually happened. And so they record that these women were the first ones to see Jesus' empty tomb. And they, one of them said that they saw Jesus alive after everyone knew he was dead. And so his followers, Peter, John, they go check it out. The tomb's empty, like the ladies had said. Some of their friends say they saw Jesus, but they 
if that had happened to you, like you wouldn't be, know what to believe, right? This this leader is dead. We all saw him. He's buried, and now people are saying he's alive. Kind of like Elvis, right? I saw him, but nobody else can prove it. They're not sure what to believe, so they're talking about it. And then this happens. It, Luke, the historian, records it for us. He has he went and interviewed everybody who knew Jesus, and he wrote down a biography of Jesus' life. And this is what he writes after Jesus Jesus died, and some people started to see him. The tomb's empty. Here's what he writes. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. <laughs> Jesus is hilarious, by the way. Peace be with you. They're, they're in a locked room. Nobody, they're hiding. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he's like, chill out. Peace. Think of it. Not a lot of peace in that moment, right? How would you react? Your beloved leader's dead, and now he all of a sudden shows up alive in the middle of a locked room. If this was a made-up story, I would think the guys writing this down, talking about their own experience, would be like, oh yeah, we totally expected that. You know, it was the most amazing thing. We all worshipped and fell at his feet. That's not what they say. It's it's so really they react exactly the way we would react. Here's what they, here's what happened. So Jesus says, Peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, wouldn't, wouldn't you be? Thinking they were seeing a ghost. And then Jesus, again, hilarious. Why are you frightened? Why do you think, Jesus? Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? It's so real. Isn't that how you would react? Like, oh, it's a ghost. He was dead. Nobody actually expected Jesus to come back to life. He had talked about it. He said, hey, I'll die and come back. Nobody actually expected that to happen. They all thought it was a figurative thing, not a real thing he would actually do. And then he does it and they're freaked out. They think they see a ghost. And he says, what's the problem? Why are you frightened? And they could have rattled off a long list of why they're frightened, like we talked about, right? Their hopes and dreams have just been ripped away. Their lives are in danger. Their future is uncertain. Definitely not what they were hoping for. And now in their minds, they're hallucinating. They're seeing a ghost. See, but then Jesus shows them why they could have peace. He doesn't just tell them. He shows them why they could have peace right at that moment. Why they didn't need to be frightened anymore. And the, the reason it's not a religious system. It's not positive thinking or wishful thinking. It's not a set of rules or a holy book to follow or trying, you know, really hard to believe. Resilient peace, the peace that we all really need and want right now, comes from a single historical event. So the story goes on. Jesus says, look at my hands. Crucified, right? Nails in his hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. You can see with your own eyes. I'm actually here physically. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Jesus isn't saying that there's actually ghosts. He's just going with what they said. Look, ghosts, you can't touch them. Everybody knows that. You just, you know, go right through them. You can touch me. You can see the holes in my hands and my feet. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, wouldn't you? Though they're filled with joy and wonder, they have this hope that this is real, this, this joy welling up in them that maybe things are going to be okay. And then to top it off, to prove that he's actually real, then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him, just think about it. They're like, uh, yeah, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Put yourself there. Jesus eats this fish and is like watching him eat, probably the most awkward meal anyone's ever had. 
They're saying ghosts don't eat. Ghosts don't swallow this, right? If they, if a, if a ghost or a skeleton tries to drink something, it just falls on the floor. We've all seen the movies. Jesus eats this fish to prove that he's alive. And like I said, resilient peace comes from from an historical, a single historical event. The resurrection of Jesus. That's where true peace comes from. See, the core of Christianity, the core of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus. It's not a list of rules. It's not a set of beliefs. It's the historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. See, the core of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus is really alive, he and his love are even stronger than death. If he really is alive, then we can trust him. See, and then he goes on after he eats the fish, has a good meal, wipes his mouth. Then he explains the whole point of all of this death and resurrection, which basically was God's plan from the beginning of human history. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be, must be fulfilled. That's what you know we call the, the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. Everything in there was talking about Jesus coming. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah, the promised one, the one that would come to save all of humanity, would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message, this message that the Messiah would die and rise again, would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And then he says, you are witnesses of all these things. See, what he's explaining there, what the scriptures had been explaining, is that God loves you. God is for you. He wants to have a perfect relationship with you that can start today and last forever beyond death. He wants to have that perfect relationship with you. But we're separated. We're separated from him. We're separated from Others were separated separated from ourselves, not just because of COVID, but because of what the Bible calls sin, what we like to call um, breaking the law of love. See, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest law of God? And he said, love your neighbor as yourself, or love God with everything you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two are the greatest laws of God. And we've all broken that law. We've all put what we want ahead of others. What I want is more important than you. That's the basis of sin. And we've all done that. And when we've done that, that kills our relationship with each other, kills our relationship with God. It, it separates us. When somebody mistreats your kid, there's a broken relationship there. And that's what Jesus is saying. There's that broken relationship. Their sin has broken that relationship. But God loves you. He wants to be with you. But he's also just. He's all about justice. And that when his kids are hurt, there needs to be justice. That pain needs to be paid for. And so there's that conundrum. God loves us, wants to be with us, but he has to have justice. He can't just let evil go on in his world. That wouldn't be a good, loving God, would it? He has to stop it. Problem is, we've all committed sin. We've all hurt his kids. So what do we do? If he wanted to destroy sin, he'd have to destroy sinners. And we've all done it. So he came as Jesus, 100% God, 100% human, to come live the perfect life, die on the cross to pay the penalty that we earned because we've hurt others, because we've broken the law of love, died on the cross to pay that penalty to fulfill justice. 
And then he rose from the dead, proving that he was God and proving that he has the power to forgive sin. He has the power to bring new life. And the way we receive that new life isn't by following a bunch of rules, isn't by believing all the right things. It's simply a religious word, faith, or a better word is trust. Trusting that Jesus' death paid that penalty for us. It's not a religion, not trust in a religion, but trust in a person, in Jesus. Trust in an event that his death and resurrection actually bought us new life. That we can't do anything to change our past, but Jesus' death can change our status, can make us forgiven. And see, when you know God loves you, when you know God is for you, when you know that he is stronger than darkness and even death, you can have peace. Some of you are witnesses of this too. Not, not seeing the physical resurrection of Jesus like his early followers who saw it with their own eyes, but you've experienced an almost unexplainable inner peace, an unexplainable inner calm in the face of turmoil, in, in really challenging situations before all this COVID stuff, and maybe even during it, you've experienced it. A peace that comes only from trusting Jesus. Maybe you haven't experienced it yourself, but maybe you've seen friends, maybe somebody who shared this video with you. You've seen friends go through things with a calm you could only wonder at. Like if that happened to me, I would be a wreck, but they seem to be calm. They seem to be caring about other people while they were going through something. And here's why. See, when you trust that Jesus is alive, that he has conquered death, you know that death isn't the end. You know you don't have to fear death. And when you don't have to fear death, you can have peace in every, in any situation. Think about it right now in this, in this situation we're in. If you didn't fear death, like you knew death wasn't anything to be afraid of, that it wasn't the end, that maybe it was just the beginning of something amazing, you wouldn't have much to fear right now, would you? You'd have a peace. So maybe it's time for you to trust him. See, we're all keenly aware of our inability to control much of anything right now. Our fears that we have come from that loss of control, which we never really had in the first place. But this loss of control, the, the fear of the unknown future, the danger to our lives and our lifestyle that we, we thought we enjoyed before. But when you don't have to fear death, you don't have to fear anything. And you can have peace in every situation now and in our uncertain future, whatever that looks like. You can have peace even in the worst crisis, simply by, by trusting that God knows you, that he loves you so much that he died to provide a way to forgive you and a way to be with you. Trusting that he conquered death and can give you new life now and even after death. That he is alive, that he is with you in every circumstance and that he loves you. It's just a matter of trust. So I feel like it, right now, whether you're watching or listening, I want to give you an opportunity to choose to trust, to accept that gift that, that Jesus paid for, the gift of forgiveness of a perfect relationship with God, a, a way to wipe out the guilt of your past and bring a new life of peace, of love, of joy. So if there's never been a point in your life, a single act of trust in your life saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be forgiven. I want to accept your love. I want you to give me a new life. Now is your opportunity. Now is your chance. You don't have to do a religious ritual. You don't have to make any like chicken sacrifices or pay any money. You simply have to tell him, I trust you. 
It's a, it's a simple, we call it prayer. It's just talking to God. So if that's what you want, you can pray in your mind. You can pray out loud right now. Re you can basically just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being for me. Thank you for providing a way to wipe out my past, to give me a new life. I choose to trust you, not what I can do to make up for things, but to trust you only to make me new, to give me peace, and to make me yours. Come into my life. I want to follow you. That's all you have to say. That's it. And if you prayed that just now, or maybe you want to take some time and think about it, that's okay. But when you pray that, if you prayed that, go to yourcrosscreek.com slash welcome and tell us about it. Tell us that, yes, I have decided to follow and trust Jesus because we, we want to celebrate with you and we want to kind of talk to you about what that means, how you can go deeper in that relationship, how you can get know Jesus even more and trust him even, even deeper. And if you prayed that right now, or even, you know, you prayed that at some point in your life, there's been a point where you said, Jesus, I want to trust you. Share it with someone. Don't keep it to yourself. Share, share why, though there is doubt and fear, right? It's always in there. But even though there is that that we face, you also have peace. Share it. Maybe share this, this video or this podcast online. You don't have to even say anything. Just click share. Share it with your mouth. Tell somebody. You know, I used to be fearful and now I'm not. And here's why. Because I trust that Jesus loves me. I trust that Jesus died for me and now lives for me. And don't just share it with your words. Share it with your actions. Share it by staying in right now. The, the, the curve seems to slowly be flattening. Good job. Stay in. Keep people safe because you love them. Check in with people because you love them and Jesus loves them. See how they're doing. See how you can help and give out. If there's something you can give, whether it's support or, or even money or, or food or toilet paper, give it. If you see a need, give. But here's the thing. The first Easter was not the end. It was just the beginning. And we don't have to see this time as the end of something, but as the beginning of something better, something more, a life of peace, of confidence, and love. A life of peace, confidence, and love through Jesus who died for us. Who died for all of us. See, there's no denying that this pandemic is a dark point in our lives. It seems like darkness and fear and really even annoyance and anger are all around us. Trying to overtake us. But Jesus has overcome the darkness. Jesus' best friend John, when he was an old man writing about Jesus' life, he put it this way. This is how he starts, basically, the, the biography of his best friend, Jesus. He wrote this. The word, meaning Jesus, God's way of telling us he is real, God in a body. The word gave life to everything that was created. Other translations say, in him was life, true life in Jesus. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Think about it. Like how much dark do you need to extinguish a candle or a flashlight or, or a floodlight, right? There's not enough darkness to extinguish even a little candle. He, and John goes on, he came into the very world he created, 
but the world didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, trusted him, he gave the right to become children of God, children of a perfect heavenly father, not just followers, not just keepers of the rules he created, but his actual beloved children that he will never deny, never disown. And John goes on, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and he made his home among us. God, his, his, who he is, became human, Jesus, and he lived with us, John is saying. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He doesn't go back on his word. He doesn't let you go. And John is saying, we have seen him with our own eyes. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The light of the world brings resilient peace in the darkest days. It's available to you right now. You just have to choose to trust the one person who has died and conquered death for you. Right now, what I want to do, I've, I've asked my favorite person in the world to talk to my favorite mother-in-law in the world to, to share an experience that they've had, an experience of, of, of feeling peace in probably one of the, the hardest times imaginable. So keep watching and see what this resilient peace actually looks like in real life. So I'm super excited. I get to be here with my mom today um, and interview her a little bit about a time in our life that we experienced that was pretty uh, devastating and just really turned our world upside down, um, Her, hers in particularly. And so um, if you just want to introduce yourself, mom, you can kind of talk about who you are. And Hi, I'm Lee. And uh, the season of life that I was in was, uh, I was a single mom and I was living with my parents and I was going to college. I had four children. I had uh, three girls and one boy. So we kind of had been a typical day. I had had my last uh, final at college and came home that day and the girls had Awana at church that evening. And so I'd taken them and we were coming home. And as I arrived home, I was greeted by my mom was waiting for me. And that was kind of unusual. I mean, she was usually there in the house, but as I recall, she was like waiting where I parked the car. And so it surprised me a little bit. Didn't really know what was up. The girls and I got out of the car and she proceeded to tell me that my son, Jeremy, had been in an accident and he was hurt. And that, at that point, that was all we knew. And so um, shortly thereafter, um, I received a phone call telling me that Jeremy had been killed. And uh, it sent my world spinning. That was a devastating thing to uh, have happen. I had lots of people around me and friends that came in and 
you know, just rushed my kids away. Like a really good friend came and took my daughters and just loved on them and took care of them. And I was able to kind of, kind of get my thoughts together and make some decisions about what I needed to do. Of course, uh, I just remember feeling like just very surreal and I couldn't even comprehend what I was going through really. Um, it was like I was in a dream. Didn't really know what to think. Um, I was devastated. I was deeply grieved and just spent a lot of time that night crying and trying to sort through. Felt very alone, very mixed up. I was only five years old at this time and stuff. So my, my memories are very vague of, of this. So like even your detail is, I don't know how often we've talked about that evening in particularly um, or anything, but I do remember as I grew up, I started to deal with it in my own way and stuff and started to understand more and more. And, um, people like older mentors, people that kind of um, were adults as they walked through this time with you when I didn't really ha know how to understand what was going on, um, would tell me a lot how much they um, recognized and admired um, this piece. And it was just this unexplainable piece that you had during this time people would share with me just how much they admired this piece that you had. Um, and I've actually, you know, I have my own son now. And as I started to have babies and everything, it became this different comprehension for me that I started to have to understand too. And I remember one night laying in bed with him um, and cuddling and stuff. And I don't remember how it came to mind, but just thinking about like embracing the moment and stuff, but how much, I couldn't, how much I've been through with him in just seven years. And um, Jeremy was 10 at this time, right? So, yes. um, so I tried to even imagine, I still have three more years with this child to understand how much life you had with Jeremy um, and stuff. But at, even at seven years old, I remember thinking like, I don't know how you did it. Like, I, I don't know how I could do it if, if this bed was empty tonight or tomorrow night. It was a really hard thing for me to comprehend. If you would just touch base on that piece that you experienced and share with us what you felt like God, God kind of gave you, as John had talked about, that resilient piece. Sure. Once things began to settle down and, and just the reality of the truth of the matter that Jeremy was gone, you know, and he was in heaven, um, it became really vital for me because I felt lonely to connect up with God, even though I still had times of great sorrow, but I knew God was with me. I, I just spent time with him and his peace, which surpasses my humanness, was just present. I, I don't know that I can completely describe it other than that he carried me. He was my peace. He was my refuge. He was my hiding place during those times because I did not, you know, I was a single woman. I did not have, my God was my husband. He, he was my resilient peace. And it wasn't like a peace like the world gives. It was a peace that only God can give. 
-hmm. And I don't know how to completely describe it, except that I'm really thankful that he chose to give that to me. And he chooses to give that to us if we seek that from him. I kind of think about this because I was very blessed to grow up with you and you had come to know Jesus and the the great sacrifice he made for you and his love for you before I was here <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And so I was brought up knowing that. Um, but you experienced life you know, before, before knowing that in your life and stuff. And so, and you've gone through other hardships than just losing a child, but I mean, thankfully you had God um, with you during the time you did go through one of the most devastating times in your life. But thinking about um, an experience in your life before Christ, before being a Jesus follower and how much worry and strife might have come in your life from some heartaches to mm -hmm. the heartaches that happened after being a Jesus follower. There's a big difference in the, in the type of peace that you experience with him, right? Yes, there is. Without him, there's just devastation and no hope. Yeah. You know, with him, there's power and peace and a sense of a place to a, a refuge yeah. In him. One thing, um, you know, that's come to mind for me too, is like, he, he can take those, those, um, really devastating stories and, and turn them around for good. Um, that we don't always see, but you know, he, he does bring hope. And you kind of said there with him, there's this hope. And I remember, um, and I am curious what my story would be like otherwise, but because of um, Jeremy's death, I actually came to you later and said, you know, well, will I ever see him again? Like, how, how is this possible? Um, and stuff. And that led us to being able to talk about, um, you know, Christ conquer over death and that we do get to be with him again. Um, we get to be with Christ and we get to be with Jeremy Yes. And um, that led me to having a faith in Christ and where that started to um, be born for me. Um, as sad as it is, it's kind of a cool way to see how God used um, something really terrible to bring hope and life um, in, my, in my life. One of the rich things, probably the richest thing that I've seen come out of that loss yeah. is your gain. <laughs> because yeah. you have life in Christ. Yeah. So, well, Mom, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing with us today and um, being a great example to me of trusting in the Lord and um, just having an amazing, unexplainable peace and rest and trust in Him. We uh, appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing. Thank you. and Liz for that. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you did decide to follow Jesus today, please let us know. You don't have to go through that alone, figure out what that means alone. We are together, right? Together. So you can actually let us know at yourcrosscreek.com slash welcome, that right there, that you did decide to follow Jesus today and we can help you in what your next steps would be there. Awesome.
You know what time it is. What time is it? It's time to announce our winner. Oh yeah, from last week. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it this? It is. The rabbit's gonna fall so over. Social, I mean, it's done. Social distancing, <laughs> social distancing champion. Uh, made by our friends at Agape Custom Shop. It's a travel mug. It's got a leather um, outside to it with mm. a really some really great artwork, which we'll show you here. And um, our winner is, do you wanna do your drum roll? Oh yeah, drum roll. The sounds are well, really yep. good in the microphone. Our winner is Mirna R. We're so excited. Congratulations, Mirna. Congratulations. We That's drew awesome. your name randomly and we're really excited. So um, we'll figure out a way to get a hold of you yeah. and probably mail you this mug. Um, but we're really excited that you get to be the, the keeper of it. If anybody wants to buy one of these, they can. The links are in the show notes. This isn't an ad. Uh, we just like to support local businesses and Agape Custom Shop is one of those. So. This, speaking of local speaking businesses, of local businesses, we have another really fun giveaway uh, this week for you, and it's for on any Sunday. We're uh, really excited about this one. Five dollars. Yes, it's a great uh, ice cream shop. So you can enter this giveaway by Choco Tacos. Choco Tacos. Um, you can, and they deliver. Oh, they do now. Or That's yeah, you can pick it up okay. or deliver. Yeah, it's awesome. So, I mean, the weather right now. It's ice cream um, so anyway. You can enter this giveaway for On Any Sunday by commenting below. We mentioned it in the beginning. Um, when you comment, we just enter you into our raffle. You can comment on where you're coming from, uh, how you like to celebrate Easter, or some favorite Easter or springtime traditions if you don't celebrate Easter. Um, go ahead and throw those in the comments on YouTube or Facebook. Automatically enter to win On Any Sunday. That's right. Which is super awesome. So thanks for joining us. On behalf of Monica, my lovely wife, and myself, Aaron, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week for episode five. Have a great week.